Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Last week, um, we began our sermon series called The Gift, and this morning we will continue in that series. We found ourselves in Acts as we discovered the gift of Christ. So would you join me this morning in reading Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, as we continue in this series together. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God for us today, and so we say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Loving and holy God, we are here. We pray that you would offer calm and peace in these next few moments. Help us us to hear a word from you this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. This morning, we are going to talk about transformation. So the first question that comes to my mind as I'm thinking about it is, what is transformation? If you were to ask me when I was a little girl, I might have told you that transformation was the moment that Cinderella's dress went from rags to a beautiful blue ball gown. But it's not just that, is it? It's those interactions of different chemicals or elements in a chemistry class when something changes. It's the movement of a caterpillar to a butterfly 
Or one of my favorite things at the moment is to see transformation on HGTV's Property Brothers. At the end of every episode where you see this outdated home become a beautiful space that the family believes that they will help them grow. Or the moment an old, run-down, not-taken-care-of home becomes a beautiful home through care and love. It can be the movement from day to night. Or almost like a baby becoming a toddler where at any moment you look at them and you think, oh my goodness, they are not a baby anymore. Or when they become a child. Or the beauty of a teenager learning to be a responsible adult in college where you look at them and you think, oh my word, they have grown up in front of my eyes and I missed it. Sometimes it's going from whatever color hair we have to gray as we progress in years, or as my grandfather used to say, progress in wisdom. Transformation in its simplest form is a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. It's changing in composition or structure, character or condition, or even to convert. We see transformation every day, and we see it all through this book. In fact, in Romans, we read, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are encouraged each time we meet this Jesus in the Gospels to be transformed, allowing this law that he has placed on our hearts to be lived out. And we are invited today, as we heard our scripture from Isaiah this morning in the Advent reading, and our words just now from Luke, to be transformed through the stories that were told. When I think of this story that we read this morning of transformation, the first thing that I think of is the story that I learned in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I think many of us learned that song when we were kids, and it's a song that we have taken with us. For the longest time, that was my only understanding of Zacchaeus. Over the last several months, as I have watched the Chosen series, I have seen their depiction of calling of Matthew, who also was a tax collector. It was as I watched Matthew and his interactions with other people that I realized being a tax collector was much worse than I thought. Now, don't get me wrong. I always knew what they did for a living, but I didn't realize what they lost when they became a tax collector. So for Zacchaeus, what does it mean for him to be a tax collector? It was someone who was just as you would think, someone who took up taxes from the people. It sounds harmless. However, the typical practice of a tax collector was that at the beginning of each Roman year, they would pay a fixed amount for the entire area that they covered. Then, on a regular basis, the people would bring the taxes to them. 
this would pay back whatever amount he had paid, but then leave plenty left for the collector. You see, a collector was able to keep anything that came to him after he had made enough money to cover the expenses already paid. Because of this practice and this way, they typically would extort other Jewish people. What you may not know is that most of your tax collectors were actually Jewish people who the Romans had sought out for whatever reason. These Jewish tax gatherers were some of the richest Jews in the area with nice houses and all the food and clothes that they could want. This practice was hurtful to the Jewish people, as we would assume, and it caused a lot of anger and hostility towards them. It also didn't help that their families were looked poorly upon because a part of their family was a tax collector. So not only did it affect that person, it affected all of those who were in contact with them. I would go so far as to say that they were hated by the Jews. They were considered vile and degraded by the religious authorities. They were definitely not people that you wanted to be associated with, nor were they considered beloved members of the society. On top of all that, Zacchaeus had one more thing going for him, or not, depending on how you look at it. He was the chief tax collector which meant that he was in charge of all of these people who were cheating all of these people. We understand that Zacchaeus lived his life in such a way, yet he wanted to see Jesus. The amazing thing that happened is that he didn't just see Jesus. Jesus saw him. Jesus called him. Jesus invited him into this new relationship when he had asked. And what did Zacchaeus say? Here is everything that I own. I will give half of it to the poor and I will pay back all of those who I have frauded four times over. In this moment, just being with Jesus and being seen by Jesus and called by Jesus literally transforms Zacchaeus. It changes his outlook and his own calling on his life. He was willing to give up literally everything to allow this transformation to take root in his heart. While we don't read much about Zacchaeus after this moment, we do find that something beautiful in this story and so many stories that happens over and over again. We find transformation. What's interesting is that often in the midst of transformation, you find restoration. Restoration of a limb, of energy, of relationship. Often we see people being restored to people. What is interesting, though, was the response of those who saw Jesus call Zacchaeus. The scripture says there was grumbling. Have you ever grumbled? What, is it, what does it look like? It's like, 
kind of reminds me of the guy from Tangled when he goes, Schmolder. There's a lot of grumbling. And their grumbling was this. This man, who many have said is the son of man, goes and eats with sinners, who also invites other sinners to be together. You see, I think one of the struggles of the crowd or of the collective or of the gathering, whatever word you want to call it, is that we are a broken people who think that God's movement towards restoration and justice happens the way we think it should happen. That those who have been wronged are restored and made whole. The problem is, it doesn't happen the way we think it should. Yes, those who have been wronged are restored and made whole, but there's a step further here. The Christ child whom we await at this very moment challenges us to take it deeper. He recognizes that it isn't just the one who has been harmed who needs to be restored, but also the one who has done the harming. This is where it gets real, where it gets messy and dirty and often painful at times. You see, restoration is about healing the relationships between the ones who have been wronged and the ones who have done the wrong. It is about individuals taking responsibility, but also about the collective taking responsibility for their actions. I guess the question that kept coming to my mind is how often are we the ones in the crowd? How often are we the ones in the gathering, in the collective, in the group, who just keep going along, following the one in front of them, but failing to see how Jesus is and can transform our lives? As we see towards the end of the gospel, the collective, the group, is quite easy to manipulate, right? as the religious people manipulate the crowd to do exactly as they would like, to condemn Jesus to death. I wonder if sometimes it's just easier to go along with the crowd, continue in the path that we often live in, of fear, judgment, and self-righteousness. It is really easy to become disillusioned by the church today. Because I would venture to say that too often we are like the crowd, throwing judgment at anyone and everyone, rarely recognizing the ways in which they have been transformed, but also in allowing ourselves to be transformed. Was Zacchaeus any more of a sinner than any of them? Was Zacchaeus any more a sinner than any of us? I wonder. We see how Zacchaeus was transformed. How is this gift of Jesus, this presence of Jesus in our lives, transforming you? I wonder, how is this gift of the Christ child transforming us as a church?
where does restoration and wholeness need to happen in this place, but also outside of these walls? And how do we get there? Christ calls us to be transformed. I don't know. Something to think about. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen.